Empire. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Today I'll be joined by J.P. Finley from NBC Sports Washington and the host of Redskins Talk Podcast. After that, I'm going to get to your questions on Twitter and then I'll be joined by Bram Weinstein for a training camp preview. But first, my conversation with J.P. Finley. Well, now I'm joined by J.P. Finley from NBC Sports Washington and host of the Redskins Talk podcast where he carries Pete Haley, right? And, and of course, Mitch Tischler, Mitch Tischler is on there, but you don't have to carry Mitch. But you are carrying Pete a little bit, right? Uh, I think that's a fair assessment, yeah. <laughs> hey, Pete, I hope you're listening. Um, anyways, <laughs> listen, we're, we're getting close to training camp here. And first of all, I, I'm curious for your perspective. I know what I have to do. Like, I try to get ready for training camp mentally. What do, you, do you feel like you're mentally ready for camp to begin? You definitely have to get ready mentally, and I'm not sure I'm there. I'm doing one last vacation with my family. Because they, what I don't think the fans realize is once camp starts, is, is we are on the go 100-hour weeks until January, you know? And, and it, it's taxing on – I have two young kids, and, you know, you try to be around as much as you can, but you're just on the road, you know, every other weekend and uh, out in Ashburn all the time. So I, I'm going to – enjoy this last little trip and, and then kind of mentally get ready with that week to go, I think. Yeah. And I, I you know, it's funny because um, I always, my joke was always that we get hours off, not weeks during the season because, and that's kind of, that's kind yeah. of accurate. I mean, there, the only time that you get a real day off is if it's a Saturday and it's a home game and no news breaks. And I'd say you get like, you know, several of those weeks, those weeks where news does happen on Saturday. Guy is hurt or, you know, you find out of an injury status, whatever. So it is the, it's the hours off, not weeks. Would you, you think that's pretty accurate? Totally. And, and in the kind of the Twitter news cycle, it, sometimes it seems like the hours are even hard to find. (laughs) That's true. It could be something as mundane as, you know, what, which of the six, which receiver is going to be inactive on game day? And just kind of the nature of the beast because of fantasy and, and DFS and everything else, there's real demand for yeah. that information. And, and you and I and, and others on the beat are, are, are working our butts off to try to find it, even if it is Saturday at noon and you want to watch an Ohio State game and, and I want to go to the park with my daughter or something, you know? Well, the other part of that, JP, too, is there, there have been times where – you know, you get you get a little bit run down during the season, and like there might be a time where I'm like, all right, I got to go to bed early tonight, and it's you know it's lights out are before maybe even eleven, and at eleven thirty, you you something pops on Twitter, and I'm out, and I don't find out about it until like you know Rich Tandler time, five a.m. and <laughs> right. you know what I mean, and so like I that's remember last year the Geis injury, yeah, um, so he gets hurt in preseason, and let's be honest, I mean I think we all kind of thought he was legitimately hurt but every you hate to speculate on injuries and you hate to point to past injuries as a reason for speculation so you know guys in the locker room after that pass game says hey i'm fine everything's fine so you write that story and then you kind of hope it's done but the way the beast is you know we're traveling back to boston yeah. the next morning and, and then the news breaks and then you're kind of behind it and you're and you're sprinting to catch up 
it's a it's a grind, but but that's okay. It's uh, a blast. We yeah, it is. It's great. It. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there, there is there is the there's certainly a grind. To yeah, it. there's there are trade offs with it, but it is it's listen. If it wasn't a great job, we wouldn't be doing it. So as we get as we enter training camp here, how in general? I want to get into some specifics in a minute, but in general, how do you view this team going into camp? I, I think there are the Trent Williams thing is a major major question. Yeah, and, and I think. It's easy to kind of forget about it, especially once we get down there and all the focus will be on quarterback. But until you know what's going to happen with 71, I don't even think we can make a fair projection on how the team fair on how the season unfolds because we're going to get asked a million times what, what, what we think their record's going to be. And, you know, with Trent versus without Trent is a big difference, even if you only get 10, 12 games from Trent like you've right. seen in the last few seasons. I think the running back situation has gone from probably the strength of the offense to a question. I, I don't know what you're hearing, but I don't know that we want to be quite as bullish about Darius Geis' hamstring as, as maybe he is on Twitter. I remember you, you talked about Tandler earlier. One of one of the many rules of Rich Tandler was never listen to players on their own injury. Sure, analysis. absolutely. So I try to lean towards that. Defensively, I think they look strong. I, I, I think agree. they could have a top-10 defense. Um, I just until we start seeing these quarterbacks look good, and and I know it's there's reasons to like many in the receiving core, but uh, until we see it, I, I don't know how they're going to score. And, and I think that's uh, a similar issue they had last year, and and I, I kind of think it's gotten worse. And you know, it's funny going back to the trend situation, and it's really hard to get a read on where this is going to go. Um, for me, it has been, and it's like you know that there, you know, you hear some different things from both sides, and you know I've always felt like there's a, they have certainly a different viewpoint I think as to what is going on. Do you think this can be resolved with just money? I don't know anymore. I, I I've been pretty loudly saying that, and I definitely think there are folks inside the Redskins organization that think that. Yeah, I agree. But I don't know where Trent is, and. I've tried to, you know, get get a hold of him and, and get a hold of his representatives with, without much luck. Yeah. And I, I think until we really hear from Trent or, or somebody, you know, what'll be interesting is is getting to talk to AP. Like AP will give us a somewhat of an idea because I remember Peterson at minicamp was was pretty dismissive of the he's mad at the organization and not going to play for them again. And and those two are close, and not to suggest that. Peterson speaks for Trent Williams because nobody speaks for Trent right. Williams. But I, I do think he'll give us a little bit of the temperature of what's going on because I, I don't know if you feel differently. Barring some sort of last-minute, I, I would think, cash and significant cash, I don't expect to see Trent in Richmond. I don't expect to see Trent in Richmond, and certainly not when Richmond opens. Yeah, I, I think I'd be a little bit surprised, and I, you know, but the, I guess the key will be because here's the thing too: we don't know even health-wise where he's at because the word week uh, that I heard during the spring, and I think you probably heard the, I don't know if you heard the same thing. I think you did. I think we talked about this that he would not have been able to practice at that time anyway for for minicamp. Right. No, I, I don't know if he'll I be. Think the only time we might have seen him was minicamp, and I don't think he would have been on the practice right. field. I think he would have been standing off to the side. So, and I mean, he's having even if they are cosmetic. There's still surgeries on his scalp. You know, right. You're not going to put a football helmet on. Maybe that's different if it's week one and it, and it matters. But for 
for May football, that certainly doesn't matter. And that's what we don't know. Like, I don't know where he would, would he have been able to participate right away when camp opens. I don't know. I guess the question is, do you think that he will be on the field for the opening game in a Redskins uniform? I, I do, and I have kind of all along. But I'll say that maybe my uh, – I, I might not think it as strongly as I did maybe a month ago. Why, why is that? Just not being able to get any – we haven't gotten any work. Right. You know, I kind of thought there'd be some indication of maybe movement on a contract or, or move Because I, I do think whatever the situation is with the medical staff and diagnosis, I think if you throw a bunch more guaranteed money into 2020, into the last year of this deal, where it's extremely advantageous for the team to release him, I'm not saying they would, but they can and get out of it with less than $2 million in the cap it. I think if you change that equation, then everything starts to look different. And I still think that. Yeah, and I would agree with that, too. Is I, I, I do think that money can help the situation. And I certainly have talked to people inside the organization who feel that money will help the situation. Um, it's just a matter and, of... But, but, Tom, you know what I've wondered, dude? Because I, I'm guessing we've talked to similar people that think cash is the answer to this thing. And I wonder if that's part of kind of the tone deafness that got this thing to where it is. I don't know. And that's that's a valid I point. I, I'm not suggesting yeah. it is. I just, it, it's a reasonable question at this point. It, it absolutely is. And I think it's, you know, it's his importance to this offense is also magnified because Eric Flowers is the guy working at left tackle in the spring. And Jerron Christian is the guy that they drafted last year to play is at least be a swing tackle this year. And we haven't seen him since he got hurt last year. And we don't, you know, I don't know where he's at. I mean, they, I don't even know if they know truly where he's at. So I think that kind of gives Trent a little bit of leverage. Oh, for sure. I I think how flowers looked, even in just OTAs and minicamp is big time leverage. And then, you know, we asked Gruden about Christian and he said the expectation is he's ready to go in Richmond. But that's what, eight months from a now he don't but he didn't have an ACL. He had MCL. MCL. Right. But it's still a guy that didn't really seem ready as a rookie missed all of the really important development time of this offseason. I, I I would certainly say Trent has the leverage in the situation. Absolutely. Outside of being under contract for two more years, but we're seeing more and more players find leverage even when they're under contract. And I would say Trent I don't know if you saw this, but Trent posted a picture of himself hanging yes. out with Antonio Brown. I was just going to bring that up. Yeah. And I don't think that was an accident. Dude. No, it wasn't. He probably hangs out with. I don't think that was an accident to post that picture. I don't think so either. And that was a name that came up to me when, when this stuff initially came out was, you know, he's, he's looking around and he's seeing guys like Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, kind of using the system to their trying to use the system to their advantage and to gain their leverage and when you look at Trent his contract is up in a couple years he's been banged up for for a little while Um, you can look at the the landscape down the road and and what kind of leverage will he have in a couple years and is this his last chance for a big contract and I think there is a feeling by some there that this is this is partly what's feeding this and I, I don't you know from until Trent says something and tells me something that's definitive then I, I'm I can't say what he's really thinking because it's I'm not going to speak for him but from what I've talked to people on that side is that there's some real concerns medically that he had so I don't want to downplay those either and just say it's just about money but it is a situation that I think well, and, and well, the hardest part 
John, is that we don't know enough about the medical situation. Right. I've been I've been tentative to speculate about it at all and to even write about it because it's hard. I don't want to describe something as a cyst when it's a tumor. I don't want to describe something as a tumor when it's a growth. Right. Those words are tricky. Those it, words have a lot of meaning and absolutely. importance and differences. And that the whole I I have asked, and I'm guessing you have. I have asked for a real medical update from the red from like the Redskins, you know, an official medical update, yeah. and haven't gotten one. And so. Yeah, I, I think it, it's really tricky to try to surmise exactly what's going on with the situation. The money's got to be a factor, I'm guessing, and then the medical stuff might be what kind of pushed everything over the edge. Let, let's let's switch to uh, some other players here. And you brought up Darius Geis, and you know the are you are, how concerned are you about that hamstring? And like, what, and just it's for back up for one second. What the things that I've heard is that that he had hurt this a couple weeks ago and was told that he had heard a couple weeks ago that they really won't – I don't know that they're really going to know – I mean, he was going to be limited at the start of training camp. So I think it's really going to be if, if they get to the first preseason game and he's still not able to do a lot, then I think that's when they're going to be concerned. Um, what, do you, what do you – how would you assess that situation? Yeah, it's tricky. So I wrote a story for our website, and I'm just trying to look at all the accidents, all the things we know. Right. Geis was drafted. Yeah, right? I know. I, yeah. We know he was hurt at LSU. We know he slipped in the draft, and there was talk of character concerns. None of those ever emerged. You got to wonder if there were actual medical concerns about the knee. And occasionally you hear whispers of that, but never anything that you're going to report. Right, correct. You, know? you hear these things. So then gets to camp, looks great, blows out his knee. What is this snap, his third carry, something like that? Yeah. And inside, so let's say it's an ACL, let's say it's a year recovery, he's an elite athlete, maybe we give him a 10-month recovery. He, he has multiple setbacks, an infection during the surgery, right. or during the rehab. Then we see him re-sign Adrian Peterson, we see them draft Bryce Love, and I think Bryce Love is a move for 2020, not Agreed. 2019. Yeah, I agree. You're still drafting another running back in the fourth round, and a guy that was a star when he was right at Stanford. Right. And, and, and then Geis doesn't do any sort of team drills whatsoever at OTAs or minicamp, doesn't talk to us at OTAs or minicamp, and now we hear about the hamstring injury. And uh, I, I think in a vacuum, the hamstring injury seems very minor, but I think when you put all of that together, there's there's kind of a lot going on there. I think the reliability factor will be something he's going to have to show because that's what the number one thing is in the NFL is availability, reliability, and I think there would probably be some concern there just because of the medicals. So you're right. And listen, well, and the thing I did hear about Bryce Love, and not to compare the two or try to equate them, is that I, I had a source tell me that it was one of the, the, the cleanest yeah. tears they'd seen in an ACL. Yeah. So whatever that's worth. And the other, I think another factor with Love was the, I know he played, I know his knee was bothering him that year and it let wore down and it led to this. But be prior to that, injuries were not a factor for him. And so I think that gave them comfort taking him. And I think he also they also viewed him as a guy who, had he had come out the year before when he was still when he could have, he would have been in that mix in that whole, you know, in the and this is what someone was telling me, like in that whole Geis range, Chubb, Sony Michelle, all right, that the, range. The after Saquon pick. Yeah, exactly. After, after no matter what. Right, after exactly. That, it was a lot of 
right. and he would have been right in that group. So you are talking, you're not just talking about a guy who could be a third down back. You are talking about a guy who, if he hits, and they don't know yet, but if he hits, he could be more than just that. So, you know, that's sure. why I well, think. I, think uh, I, I have heard and just my what I know about the person and the situation, AP didn't sign here to be a backup. You know? No, you know, he did I, not. I, he was he's happy to compete for a job, but like if you get Adrian Peterson to tell you the truth, he thinks he's gonna be starting whether Geis is healthy or not. I I would well I think in his mind. Yeah, absolutely. Well, absolutely in his mind. There's a reason why the guy's rushed for as many yards as he has. He has a certain mindset. But I do think that when you're looking here and you're trying to assess the best opportunities for yourself, staying here was a good move. Now, first of all, he there's a lot of incentives in his contract. And so that's, he's going to have to, the only way he's going to make a couple more million dollars each year is by hitting those. And so you have to say, what's the base, best place for me and why? And I think when you look at, with guys, you, you know, that kid has a lot of talent and you, what, you, we just have to see it on the field all the time before you can say one way or another what he's going to truly be. And I agree that, you know, if you're Peterson, you're going to assess it probably that way. Last guy I want to talk to you about and let you get back to, you know, your vacation here. Um, Dwayne Haskins, um, going into camp, how would you view him um, as far as the starting quarterback? So, I don't know if you listen to it. You know, you might know him. Uh, Bill Rabinowitz from the Columbus Yes. Dispatch. I know of him. I, yeah, yes. And he was a great guest to start. But he's also – the people that know and have seen Haskins the most are very confident in him – as an NFL quarterback, but they all seem to think it's going to take some time. Right. Um, and, and I think that kind of coincides with what I saw in OTAs and minicamp, and, and I'm, I think, I'm guessing you feel the same. Absolutely. That Haskins showed the best arm, showed the best potential, but didn't seem ready to run the offense yet. And right. Not just making throws, but getting out of the huddle, getting to the line of scrimmage, and, and I think by far the hardest thing for him is going to be adjusting to the speed of an NFL pass rush. Yes. And um, I, I think the other part of this, though, is that it's possible Keenum and Colt don't look very good in Richmond, and Haskins wins the job outright because he's not, you know, he's not competing with a – he's not competing with a Drew Brees or a Russell Wilson, but he's not even competing with, with Kirk Cousins or, or Matt Statt. Somebody right. that you would consider, you know, a, a top half of the league starter but not a, a top ten, top five guy. I, there is an opportunity if he looks good. I, I do think we're looking at Keenum or Colt early on, but I, I, I also think Haskins is going to be playing. I think all three of those guys play this year. I think it's a little bit of a repeat of 2014 when Griffin, Cousins, and uh, Colt all played. And I agree with you. And I think the one thing with, with Haskins is that physically he's going to look better because he's physically he's an impressive kid. And, you know, and the, the arm talent the 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 is, is very – yeah, exactly. And so I think he's going to stand out because of that. But I think it's going to be the, come down to the mechanics of the position, getting the plays out, understanding the plays. And because he is a pocket passer, he's going to have to master more of the offense than other guys who are not pocket pass, who, who can do more than just stand in the pocket and make, and, and make throws. So I think the road is very long, is, is very long for him. But understanding that is, is, is key to the development. Do you think in your heart, your, your heart, in your gut, whatever you want to say, do you think he'll be the start? <laughs> you'll be thinking. Do you think he'll be the starter week one? No, no I don't. I don't either. I, you know what's going to be crazy though? Just the nature of minicamp is that fans are there. Fans are watching every play. Fans are tweeting, Instagram, every play. And so when Haskins is in 
is, is the quarterback for one-on-one drills where it's receivers versus corners. Haskins throws a great deep ball. Like, there are going to be situations where he looks really good, and that's going to make the rounds on the Internet. Sure. And then when they're running two-minute drill and, and red zone offense, when they're running more specific real NFL situational drills, I have a feeling Haskins won't look as good. But that kind of stuff doesn't make the internet quite as much either. So I, 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 I am curious to see how kind of the pressure unfolds as we go through camp and and what the public outcry becomes. I agree. I think it'll be a big storyline to watch. And it's funny because I know the Trent situation is a huge thing. I always fall back on quarterbacks and because I think this kid's development is huge to the future of this organization and as you know, so and the coaching staff. But, you know, we'll see. And I'm I'm anxious to get down there and, and start writing about it and watching it rather than speculating on it. So and I'm also excited to get down there and get some bar, some good barbecue from ZZQ and all the other places we go to. So I, I can't wait. Yeah, can't well wait. you know, it's it's here. So JP, thank you very much for joining me. If you've made it this far, I owe you a glass of Pinot. I think that's what I say when you're on, just to play off your little beer thing. Anyways, get back to the beach. You can, you, can, you, you bring some smoked meats and a bottle of Pinot. <laughs> okay, very good. All right, man, get back to the beach, get some suntan lotion, and go have fun. Thanks for joining me. I, I actually burnt my shoulders. <laughs> very good. Thank you. Tell Mitch you, to put more, put more lotion on you, okay? <laughs> okay? I'll talk to you. All right, thanks, man. Coming up, I answer a number of your questions that you sent to me on Twitter. Welcome back. Well, I asked for some podcast mailbag questions and you guys delivered on Twitter. So I want to get to as many as I can over the next several minutes. Well, let's start with, I don't know if I'm going to pronounce this right. Havi Makai. That's H-A-B-I-M-A-K-I. Well, however you pronounce it. Question is, what is going on with Trent Williams? Is it fair to say the season is in jeopardy without him? Any viable alternatives? The latest that I know in talking to people over the weekend is that there's still no resolution. So, I don't know that he's going to show up at the start of, of training camp. I think the key for them, like, I don't think they're sitting there trying to shop him now and, and get a, you know and move him by any means. I think that's something that would happen if he doesn't show up for the season opener, for example. I think that's when you start to say, okay, maybe this is going in a direction that, that they didn't anticipate. Um, but before then, I don't know that it's going to get to that point for them. Um, I don't know if, my, you know, it's still the same old stuff. I do think that a more guaranteed money, a different contract would probably help him because this is the feeling here is that we might say here, meaning in Washington or with the Redskins, is that he's his contract is done in two years. And he's if you play a couple more years where you hurt a lot or you've had some similar years that you've had you're not going to have the same leverage you do now. He's still going to get paid at that time by somebody, just not the kind of deal that he could command right now if he uses his leverage. I think another factor in this is, let's say the Redskins have a really bad year, and let's say they clean house. And by cleaning house, I'm talking coaching staff, and if they're really, really bad, maybe they clean a lot of the front office out as well. New group comes in. Are they going to want to pay Trent Williams that kind of money moving forward? So... You know, he may or may not be in somebody's future plans because then you can do a legitimate teardown if you want, if they got to that point. And this is a massive hypothetical, 
But if you're looking at that, that's why I think right now Trent Williams has more leverage to make a move like this. And I still say, and I've always said that from everything I've heard, is that there's there was a legitimate beef on his side um, about the medical stuff. But how much of it really pertains to the Redskins and what they did, how they handled it, how they failed, I've heard different things. Um, but the regardless, regardless, the point on Trent's side is he feels that it is legitimate. Um, but then I think on the Redskins side, they think that he looks at Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, and trying to play that leverage and the, a new game in the NFL, and that maybe there's a middle ground here somewhere. So in other words, not much has changed. Now let's go on to head coach um, at Burgundy and Gold. Is Colt in jeopardy of being cut? Jay Shoney's okay keeping two QBs. Other loves Colt. Injury prone. No way Case gets cut. I don't think Colt's getting cut, and for this reason, because I think if he gets, if he, I think it's a lot of it depends on where they feel Dwayne Haskins is at in his development. I still say my understanding is they still know that he has a long ways to go, and it's not just it's about mastering the offense. It's about a guy who's a pocket passer needing to know that. When you're a, just a pocket passer, you don't have the ability to make plays with your legs as much as a guy like Kyler Murray, even Robert Griffin, Robert Griffin III when he was here. So you have to master the offense in a in a much different way. You you can't get you can't bail yourself out the way those guys could, and you they, that allowed teams to trim their playbooks. You can't do that with Haskins. That's why I think that Colt sticks around because of his experience. And if something, whether, listen, I don't know who's going to open the season as starter. Let's say it's Case Keenum. I think they're still going to want Colt around in case something happens to Case and you have a veteran to go in who knows the game, who knows how to go run a huddle, who knows how to call plays in the huddle at an NFL level. That's why I think Colt makes it. Yes, Jay has gone with two quarterbacks the last couple of years is because of injuries. And I think that that third quarterback was a guy like Nate Sudfeld, who is still a backup in the NFL. But we're talking here with, with Haskins, a guy who needs to develop. Um, and I think, again, I think the feeling is right now that it would take him a little bit of a while to get to where they want him to be. Therefore, you better make sure you're covered and they like Colt. So I would be surprised if anything happens there. Brad Franklin wants to know any Bryce Love updates. I would think that Bryce Love opens the training camp and the season on the PUP list. They knew when they drafted him that he would be unlikely to help them early. He's a guy that you really pick for 2020 and beyond and maybe the second half of this year. But I think we're really looking at 2020 and beyond when he can make the kind of impact. If everybody stays healthy, they don't need him this year. But I would, I would think that he'll open up the season on the pup list. Um, Fade wants to know who's the funnest fellow beat reporter to have a drink with. Fade, it's not me. I can tell you that. But the guy that I would want to always have a drink with, he's not a beat writer, but he's a, he's a photojournalist, cameraman for NBC Sports Washington, Mitch Tischler. Mitch is a fun guy, period. I would like to have, a, I would like to have beers with him. It's Bram Weinstein. <laughs> it's, it's not. Listen, it's Bram. I can tell you, Bram, it's not me. I like to have some beers, but you know, I don't know that I'm, the, I'm not sure I'm the funnest guy around. Paul Stocker wants to know, brisket or ribs? Come on, Paul. It's both. You, you, get the, you get the platter where you can get both. That's an easy one. Very last one I want to get to. There are a lot of questions on Kevin O'Connell and if he's a successor to Jay Gruden. Really can't answer that one because Gruden is still here and has a job. We don't know what's going to happen. And the hypothetical I just gave with Trent is the same here. What if they have a horrible year and the offense is bad? Why would you then promote a guy who's the offensive coordinator from, the, from that staff? You don't. And then you're, you, know, you might be bringing a different GM who wants a different guy. A lot of things to go on there. So I'm not going to sit there and say, well, he's the automatic successor. He hasn't, he hasn't done anything as an offensive coordinator yet, so we can't even get to that point. But what I will say 
is that O'Connell is viewed as a future head coach by some here and around the league, that he can develop into that sort of guy. Um, I think to answer those questions now is a bit much, but the reason that they say that is, and you know, I think it's his experience in multiple systems. He's not afraid to incorporate things that he's learned in college. I think he did that here. You saw more gun last year. I think that was a result of my my understanding is a result of O'Connell's input. I think his organization skills, I think I've heard are pretty good. I think the way he presents the game plan to players is really good. So I think you know, I think that's one of the things that I've heard that he will be good at because he hasn't done that yet, but I think that's one of the things that he'll be good at. So I think there's I think you add all those elements in there. And I think it's why people are, are that he's on a list of guys to watch going forward. I think it's way too early to sit there and say he's an automatic successor. I really like Sean McVay. I don't think that Kevin O'Connell is the next Sean McVay. I think McVay was very was unique, period. But I do think O'Connell's a guy that I could definitely see rising to that point. That's all the questions we have that I'm going to be able to answer for you from now. Thank you for all your questions, and I hope you got something out of that. All right, now we're going to take a quick break, and when I get back, Bram Weinstein's going to join me. We're going to have a little bit of a training camp preview. Welcome back. Now I'm joined by Bram Weinstein. And we're going to talk a little bit of Redskins training camp here. And Bram, you know, I always like to ask you what you would want to ask me because sometimes there are things that I just forget to discuss or don't realize what the importance of. So when you're going into, when we're going to training camp here, what are the things that you're looking at besides some of the obvious things? I mean, like we've talked a lot about Trent Williams, right. so I, I don't think that needs to be covered right. here at this point. And you and JP talked about Darius Geis, which is that's terrible news to see that that's happened as they head mm-hmm. towards training camp. Because I, I don't care what you say about Adrian Peterson, he's supposed to be the future at running back, and Adrian Peterson is not. You right. know? So at some point, he's got to get healthy, and that's scary. So I think largely I would just say this, which is my biggest issue going into the offseason. How does this offense function? specifically if people like Williams aren't going to be there, but just look around and tell me who the sure things are there because I I don't see them. They're not there, and I think that's the hard part because what they want to be the bedrock is that offensive line. And you have Brandon Sheriff who is – will be healthy and, and plugged in a right ta- a right guard, and you have Morgan Moses and Chase Ruye. But there's questions at left guard because will it be Wes Martin, will it be Eric Flowers? And then, of course, the Trent Williams situation. That's a very difficult one to get around. And, like, if, if something happens there, that sets them back. But they need that group to be the bedrock. So that's, that's what they need to be the consistent force because everything else is a question mark. We don't know what the receivers. There are, little, there are things that I like about a lot of these receivers. But we don't know yet what they're going to turn into or when. You know, you Jordan Reed's still there. I, I actually think that this offseason will help him. He was able to do more pl- preparing for the season, working out for the season versus only rehabbing like he did the last couple of years. I think that will help. But then the biggest thing is who's going to be the quarterback and what level can they play at? You know, Case Keenum might be the guy, but is he the guy because Dwayne Haskins isn't ready and Colt McCoy isn't healthy? Is that why he's got the job or does he have the job because he's shown them something? So I don't I don't know what you can hang your hat on with this group just yet. Yeah, I, um, and like largely I'm sitting here going, what's this offense look like? And that largely depends on who the quarterback is. Like People just talk about, oh, well, all three of them can play. Really? 
Like, this offense isn't different if Dwayne Haskins is the starter as opposed to Case Keenum being the starter, as opposed to Colt McCoy being the starter. Last time I checked, Case Keenum moves a lot, and Colt McCoy doesn't. Yeah. Like, what planet are we on that they can run some kind of offense that fits all three of these guys? And I think that's 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 a tough one. Now, the concepts aren't going to change a whole lot, but the style of it will change because if you have Haskins in there, then you're going to be – First of all, you've got to find what plays they're comfortable with. And we don't even know what that is yet with Haskins. Now, there's some concept that they ran at Ohio State that they did here. So there are things that I think they can groom to him. But I think the hard part then, you do have to take into account his inexperience. With Colt, you know, he knows the offense. I mean, we obviously know that. He could teach this offense. But he doesn't stay healthy. And, but he and, he and Keenum have some similarities. So you can do a lot of the same things with them because they both – can move. Keenum can get outside and move too. And I think that that does help. But with Keenum, the hard part is, no, this is his third team in three years, his third offense in three years. Where's he at? In his, in his, you know, we've focused heavily on Haskins and where he's at in this offense. Where is Keenum at? I don't know that we have that answer. We don't have that answer. There's yet. been so much focus on Haskins that people have completely forgotten that he's even here. Yeah. We don't even know where he is. Yeah. We don't know what Gruden thinks of him. We don't know where he is as potentially and, to be the starter of the team. And I, when the one, the one thing, the couple things that I know is that when, when, when they were looking for a quarterback in the 2018 offseason, Keenum's name came up. Keenum was a guy that they liked at that time. So I know that they've liked him for a couple offseasons. The money was a big issue last year. They weren't going to pay him that kind of money. They clearly made a deal to in, with Denver where they only have to pay three and a half. So that's, what, that's obviously their comfort level is around there. But I know they like him, and they like his leadership. They like the, the quote-unquote swag, whatever, you know. Um, but you got to make plays. And who's going to make plays for you? When you when he was in Minnesota, you're throwing at him. Thielen, you got tight ends. You got guys all over the place who can make plays for you. Who's that guy here? And I think that's where the hard part to fe- – that's the, the, the number one question is, who is the playmaker on this offense? I thought it would be Geis if he's healthy, but – He's got to stay healthy. You know, um, will Chris Thompson be healthy? Will Jordan Reed stay healthy? Will, you know, does McLaurin develop as a receiver? Does Trey Quinn fill in the slot? Does Paul Richardson stay healthy and does he make plays? There's so many questions that it makes it really hard to get a good feel for this offense. And I know that, and I talked to Jay Gruden about this last year, about explosive. You know, last year the talk was at one point in camp, how explosive can you be? And it's kind of funny to look back now because they weren't. But at that time there was some you know, questions like, could they be an explosive offense? And his response to me was, yes, but in the way that, in his mind, an explosive offense was a ball control, force your will on the defense kind of offense. And I think that's ultimately what he still wants to be here. That's why I go back to the line. And the question marks up there, up front with Trent especially gives you pause because that's what they need to build around. Uh, on the other side of the ball, uh, there, there are two big things for me. Um, how are they – what is their plan to generate a pass rush? And is it just the fact that they drafted somebody that they believe is going to be a big answer to that? And then there's some maturity with Payne and Allen together as getting older. And secondarily, and people forget this, they became a sieve in the middle of the season collectively as a whole, okay? When they spent the first half of the season being a top five defense. So what is the adjustment that they've made so that this Ray does Horton. not repeat itself again, where in the middle of the year they somehow get figured out and go from being an extremely effective defense to one that couldn't stop anybody? And that, 
I, I think Ray Horton will play a big role in that because one of the things early on in the offseason when they were looking at all sorts of coaches and, you know, for a coordinator, for whatever they were saying they were looking for, one of the things I heard is that they'd like a defensive passing game coordinator and that Ray Horton does not have that title, but in essence that's probably what he's going to be. And I think there was a feeling that when Torian Gray was here that even though I know some guys, I don't think Josh Norman ever clicked with him, I know other guys did. And I always felt like he was good with the details of the job, and I think other guys that I talked to kind of backed that up. But when you're trying to marry concepts and you have a, a coordinator like Greg Minuski, who is a former linebacker, his strength is going to be front seven. The back four was not his strength. And how do you marry what you want to do up front with what you can do in the back? I think that's where Ray Horton, in his experience, has to come into play. Now, will it? I, will it pay off? I don't know, but that's part of the thinking. I think another, thing, another factor is having a guy like Landon Collins. Um, you know, we, it's funny because we always hear about the communication skills a guy has coming in, and when they're leaving, they weren't great. And that was like DJ Swearinger, what, you know, we heard a lot about that both ways. But I think one of the things that they would complain about with DJ was kind of freelancing in situations where it really, really hurt them. And like, for example, the, some examples would be if they're in man coverage and he would just decide to blitz and his man is wide open. Not a good time to freelance. So do you get away from some of those kind of mistakes? Do you put Josh Norman in a situation where he's more of a zone corner, which is his strength now, or do you just cater it all to him? You know, is it hard to, do you just cater to your coverage to just one guy? So I think it's, but I think Ray Horton is a guy that's going to have to play a big role in the development of this defense to, to do anything. And as far as the pass rush goes, I like Montez Sweat. I think he's going to be better than Preston Smith. Um, that, so I really like what I think he's going to add. And I think that will help, but they've got to hope that Ioannidis, Allen, and Payne do what they think they can do, and that's where you're going to get it. Uh, last thing, uh, before camp starts, uh, this is worth asking because you mentioned Swearinger and Zach Brown and these people who aren't here, and they actively have criticized the locker room. So from what you've seen so far, and it's not a lot because they're not around a lot together in the offseason anymore, do they have a good locker room? Do you get any sense that they have a locker room that's better than ones that have been in the past? I think that's hard to say because we haven't been in the locker room yet. We've just ta- When we're talking to guys in the spring, it's always outside the, outside the facility. So I'm not, you know, and, and, you know, it's not like even when you're in the locker room sometimes, you're not always going to get the best feel for it. But what you would see last year or the last couple of years is that the offense and the defense are kind of divided on different sides of the locker room. And like, I almost think it'd be better to mingle, you know, to intersperse them more throughout where, you know, so you're not just having, so the two sides of the ball are more mixed together, mixed in. That's, you know, that's just different. Now, the same setup was a few, they had a few years ago. And I thought they had a good locker room in 2015. I thought they had a good locker room. I thought, also thought they had guys like Will Blackman and Will Compton who could bring together guys on the other side of the ball just through their personality and their interactions. I think that's important. So if they have a good one or not, I don't think we really know yet, Bram, because, you know, again, I can sit there and say Landon Collins, I think, is a really good addition for that reason. I think a lot of the guys from the Alabama group are good for that reason. I think that I think with some of those guys, there was an addition by subtraction. I think that helps. But you really don't know until you get in a situation where there's some level of adversity. And I go back to the 2000 season. Larry Centers, I remember talking about this after the season, they were six, I think it was at six and two at one point. Mm-hmm. And 
looking really good. And I remember, because he even said after the season, we didn't have the chemistry that we needed. I said, but you guys were 6-2. and two. He goes, yeah, but we weren't punched in the mouth until that point, and that's when you learn what kind of locker room you have. So it's really hard. I can say now, and everything's, everything's always going to sound rosy in training camp, but we won't know until they get punched in the mouth. Somebody went on NFL Network and said they're going to go 2-14. and 14. Like, that, that's not going to happen. I don't and, see uh, I'll take the over. Yeah, I'll, <laughs> I'll take, the, I'll take I mean, the over on that one. Yeah, you, you know, listen. They might beat the Giants twice. There's two. Everybody's the Giants in, could be abominably bad yeah, this year. Yeah, and everybody's entitled to their own opinion. I would not go into the season thinking that. I think their defense is good enough to be better than that. Um, but, you know... I mean, who knows? Who knows? Listen, I'm not going to, I'm not betting my house on this, yeah. but I would be surprised by that. I have them for at least five more wins. Well, maybe that might be the top shot. But, anyways, I'm not going two and 14. So I, would, I wouldn't worry. I wouldn't get all bent out of shape about that. Anyway, thanks, Bram. I appreciate that. And thank you to JP Finley for joining me. Oh, can I do a quick plug? Oh, go ahead. Football Jones is out ah, today. Football Jones. Football Mike Jones. Jones. Mike Jones from USA yes. Today used to be your colleague with the yep. Redskins at the Washington Post. Love Mike. He was going to start a podcast months ago <laughs> and then tore a knee tendon playing basketball with his kid. Hasn't been able to drive. He hasn't been able to come to the studio. Finally did. It came out literally today. Same day that this show's coming out. So check out Football check Jones. Check out. Too. And Mike Jones is a very smart guy. One of the hardest workers I've been around. And it's why I had a ton of respect. Well, it's why I have a ton of respect for Mike. So yeah, please check that out. Anyway, thanks, Bram. And again, thank you to JP Finley for joining me. Listen to his podcast, Redskins Talk Podcast. And as always, thank you for your questions and for listening.